Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series dedicated to helping all of us talk more openly about money. Each show features a special guest who will share with you one of their favorite money myths. Then together we'll discuss how to bust that myth wide open. My name is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I am your host. My company, KBK Wealth Connection, is committed to helping women, couples, families, and their financial teams shatter money taboos and learn how to effectively talk about money. It is an honor today to be joined by Rhonda Nordyke. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Rhonda before we get into her particular myth and welcome her to the show. Um, it's exciting to talk to her. We met actually online. And so Rhonda um, brings over a decade of financial industry and higher education experience to the marketplace. She's done a bunch of different things, but in 2014, she opened the Women's Financial Wellness Center, which you've got to know, I would absolutely love that concept. Uh, and it's committed to helping alleviate the financial vulnerability of divorcing women by providing a safe environment uh, where they can acquire financial knowledge and learn practical tools. In addition to that, those in the center also have access to a team of financial wellness experts and holistic collaborative partners. Uh, Rhonda has also developed a workshop uh, series which helps these women examine their attitudes and beliefs about money and helps them walk through the step-by-step -step, uh, process that they'll go through uh, as they're divorcing. Uh, Rhonda has been featured on Fox 6 News, Studio A, and Morning Blend. And now I want to welcome her to Breaking Money Silence. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited for us to connect. And uh, I have lots of questions about your wellness center, but I'm going to stay on task for what we're going uh, to do today, which is uh, examine your myth. So the myth that you provided that you want to uh, examine today is really interesting to me. It's uh, financial literacy is only for those in poverty. So tell me a little bit about what motivated you to pick this myth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, as I'm working with women, one of the exercises that I take them through is helping them identify what their passion is. And so um, when we look at both ends of the spectrum as it relates to that, what energizes you and what frustrates you, this myth actually fires on both cylinders <laughs> for me. And um, so what I do is I look for trends and look for opportunities to be able to um, see if there's ways that we can influence current paradigms and challenge some of those paradigms. And so there were really three independent situations that left me unsettled and determined to dispel this myth, which was financial literacy is only for people in poverty. So um, yeah, tell me a little bit more about those situations. Yeah. So really, there's three, three situations. The first one um, was where I had applied for a women's entrepreneurial grant and the grant was was designed for women business owners um, and so I had to submit a 20 page business plan and a five minute video and the panel that was um, evaluating the, that criteria if you will was made up of uh, financial professionals bankers and CPAs and what was interesting was at the conclusion of this process, um, several of the panelists came up to me and said, hey, Rhonda, we have a question for you. And the question is, how do you anticipate that your model is going to generate revenue? And, I, and while that certainly is a valid question, what I realized after having more conversation with them was 
that they were bringing their mindset about financial literacy to the table, which was they had served on literacy boards, they had volunteered for financial wellness fairs, and some of them had actually provided financial counseling. However, the mindset that they brought to the table was it should be free, it should be a nonprofit, and it should be for those in poverty. And so I left there thinking, wow, that's interesting. And and a lot of times I leave those situations not exactly knowing what to do with that. <laughs> that is really um, interesting. And, and, you know, when you say that, I have to just validate that I certainly have heard this myth before and experienced that as well. Um, so, so where else did you run into this myth? Yeah, so the second uh, example was I had attended a financial coaching session at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And there were 25 people from across the country, all of which were from nonprofit organizations for financial literacy and education, except for me. And I was the only person there that had a for-profit business model. Everybody else worked with people that were in poverty. So we had the opportunity to do several small group discussions, and I found myself having (laughs) several fairly robust conversations that Um, you know, financial literacy isn't only for people that are in poverty. And a lot of the women that I work with that are going through divorce or have lost a spouse are in that spot. They are searching for information. They lack confidence. They don't know where to go. They um, feel shame and guilt because they feel like they should know more. And so on the drive home from that program, I found myself reflecting on all the great tools that I learned um, that we've been able to use in our practice, but also the fact that there was yet another need for a paradigm shift. (laughs) Yes, no, absolutely. And you know, what's interesting to me is um, just to throw in a little research here that you probably know as well. But one survey that recently I reviewed said that of all Americans surveyed, so you know, that's a subset of Americans, but, uh, and they were not um, a group of folks who were, they were, they were mass affluent, I believe, that 35% of women and 39% of men passed the financial literacy exam. Mm. So in other words, uh, a very large portion of these, uh, what w- shall we call middle class uh, citizens needed financial literacy training as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised. And certainly I've heard that statistic as well. And and the women that are coming through our center, you know, they, um, they are in that spot for sure. So, so... It, it may be obvious, it may not be obvious to the listeners. Tell us a little bit about kind of how you see this uh, myth actually impacting you personally as well as professionally and or how it's impacting these women you're trying to help. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, really one of the other components of this that I've experienced is that, you know, the banks in my community and really around the country, were encouraged to participate in the Community Reinvestment Act of 1977. And again, they were encouraged to pour back into the community um, in which they were chartered to be able to help low to moderate income neighborhoods. And so the impact for the women that we're serving has been interesting because um, they don't fall into that specific category. So um, the challenge is that the women are falling through the cracks. They they maybe don't fall into that traditional kind of wealth management um, opportunity, and they also aren't being recognized as low to moderate income. So, you know, like you had mentioned, 
um, Kathleen, the women of all backgrounds are in need of financial literacy. And um, one example that I can give you is I met with a woman recently who whose husband had passed away. She was 63 years old. Uh, she's a working professional. She has her master's in nursing. She's uh, currently working as a college instructor. Um, and she's the perfect example for, for dispelling the myth. She's well-educated, and yet she's, she's falling through the cracks because, again, she isn't on two of those extremes. She falls in the middle. And, you know, she says, hey, I make a fair salary, um, but I'm still concerned about taxes. I'm still concerned about retirement. And, and she's never, never received any financial education, formal or informal. So it's impacting the people, you know, really in, um, in the community for sure. Well, and it's, it's that gap, and I love that word because it is true. It's like, are you affluent enough to be served mm -hmm. by a financial services professional that might build in some of this financial literacy training for the next generation, which you would then benefit uh, mm -hmm. as part of that as a parent? Um, or a relative, or are you poor enough or, you know, um, struggling enough to be able to access some of these free services? So I think it's really great that you're filling the gap. Now, I always ask every person who comes on um, the upside of their myth. So usually what ends up happening with a money myth is there's ways in which it gets in the way. And clearly, there's this gap that you're trying to fill that it's getting in the way uh, of these women that you're serving. But is there any way in which somebody who believes financial literacy is only for those in poverty? Is there any way in which that could be helpful for an individual or a institution or because there's usually some sort of short time short term kind of gain that that we get out of a myth yeah you know I think and that's a great question um, I think there definitely is the opportunity for them to be able to provide um, you know education to the masses um, but traditionally that model is to reach as many people as possible on the front end so they're reaching a lot of people I guess maybe that's the upside to it um, but they're not necessarily going um, deep and walking them step by step through the process. So, um, so yeah. Again, having participated in several, you know, workshops or conferences, Money Smart Week and stuff like that, their goal is to reach a lot of people. So I guess that might be the upside. Okay, so the upside is you reach a lot of people. I also see, and this is a little bit more kind of individual financial psychology, but I almost see this being a, a way for some people, um, if you believe that financial literacy is only for those in poverty and you're not in poverty, to somehow feel better about your relationship with money. Like, oh, you know, I'm, I, I have money, so I don't necessarily need to learn about it. It may or may not fit, but listeners out there, that might be one way in which it helps. But I think it's really interesting, Rhonda, in your experience that it helps by reaching the masses, but not at a deep level. And clearly, given what you do and what I know, it, you know, there is a lot to be um, a lot of education that still needs to happen for men and women out there. Um, so if somebody on the line is listening in today and they're identifying and they're going, geez, that's what I thought or that's what I experienced um, as a woman or as somebody in financial services, what advice would you give them to help them bust that myth wide open? Well, you know, my my belief is that everything starts with awareness. Um, so it's exploring, you know, their current attitudes and beliefs about this myth and it's never comfortable <laughs> so it's getting uncomfortable to say yeah you know what am I 
is that a myth that I believe? And um, it's at that time that we have the opportunity, I believe, to change. Either we continue to say, okay, well, I'm going to continue to believe the myth and own it, or I need to make some changes. So first of all, I would say becoming aware that you believe the myth. Second is making the decision to accept or reject it as truth and then taking ownership, you know, for, for our decisions. I love that because that's so, it's so clear. It's each step is very difficult, but the awareness is something that somebody could get today from kind of listening to us and going, huh, maybe, maybe I do believe that on some level. And then um, here's the hard one that I think for, for most of us who are helping people change their relationship to money is really that tolerating of the discomfort that, ooh, you know, sometimes when something doesn't feel good, we want to stop, but sometimes it's a sign that you're, you're headed in the right direction uh, that you're changing and then deciding and I like the way you phrased it. Do I want to keep this myth? Because you're absolutely allowed to stay with whatever thought works for you. Or is it that mm, maybe in the long run, changing to doing something differently would be uh, different would be better. So if you could reframe this for yourself, Rhonda, wh how would you reframe it? Like what would be replacing this myth? Mm, I would say that financial literacy is for everyone um, and specifically for the women that we're serving you know financial literacy is for women right we could say financial literacy is for men but in alignment with our mission financial literacy is for women at all walks of life all stages of life um, not just for those that are in poverty so tell me a little bit um, about how you um, started these workshops that I mentioned in, in your opening, the New Beginnings uh, workshops, because it sounds interesting to me, and it sounds like you've been doing it for a while. Yeah. So kind of a similar path as, uh, as this myth. I was uh, working with women, I was in the financial industry, and I found myself being very frustrated on behalf of women that were going through divorce or had lost a spouse. It felt like everything was very siloed. They weren't getting clear answers. And so um, I had a close friend of mine whose husband passed away suddenly. And um, she was 38 years old. And she said, Rhonda, I really want to be able to you know, help and empower other women. And I said, you know what? Let's do a focus group um, at your house. And she said, that would be awesome. So we gathered several women, some that were going through divorce, some that had lost a spouse, and I spent probably three hours picking their brain. And I said, okay, what's working? What's not working? What do you feel like you still need? Um, what do you feel like um, you're getting? And so I left there after three hours and, you know, boxes of Kleenex later, realizing that I felt extremely passionate and energized by helping these women. I should have probably left there feeling drained. Um, yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> But I didn't. And I'm like, you know, we are going to find a way. So um, I tapped into my background in developing curriculum in higher education and my knowledge of the financial uh, process and developed a workshop called New Beginnings. And um, I've been facilitating that workshop now for five years. It is it is the one that I'm the most passionate about and and yet the one that I um, know that we need to duplicate so that we can help more women because I'm one person. And so we're finally uh, at a point where we are going to be developing or have developed and are going to be offering a train-the-trainer model for this program um, because those paradigms that we've seen that have shifted during this workshop 
are life-changing. I mean, it's a game-changer for these women because I believe that if we can teach them how to think about money, um, that then they can move forward, they can make good decisions, we can still help them through that process, um, but we've, we've broken through some of those barriers that they might be bringing to the table. And so the workshop's very holistic. It covers um, really three key pillars, awareness, being uncomfortable about you know, where their current attitudes and beliefs are about money, and then we spend uh, a significant amount of time on education, um, terminology, how to select an advisor, um, and then action. Okay, that's really great, but how can we, you know, have action-driven results? And so we put together an action plan and then support them beyond the workshop. And I have all the tools to be able to help people do that, from a marketing plan in the beginning on how to market the program to the processes and systems on how to cultivate those relationships after the workshop's over. So you're really, um, it's almost like, and I, I don't, it's much more complicated than this, I think, but it's like workshop in a box. So if there's somebody out there that's listening um, that is a financial advisor, an insurance person, maybe an attorney or a therapist would be great because therapists always need training on money psychology. Um, if there's folks out there that have kind of those professions and are thinking, oh, I'd love to bring this into my work, it sounds like that's your target audience for this train the trainer. Yes. Okay, awesome. So tell folks who are listening where they can find out more information about uh, New Beginnings, about your center, um, because there's there's so much that I think you're doing that's really great, uh, and we only have a limited time today. So where can people jump off and kind of find out more about you? Sure, absolutely. Um, well, they can visit the website. It's www.womensfinancialwellnesscenter.com. And they can find out more information about the New Beginnings Workshop. But then also um, they can contact us through the website as well. So go to the contact tab and send me a message and uh, we will certainly get in touch with those individuals. Excellent. I know you're also on LinkedIn because that's how we connected. And you know, what I love what you're doing, Rhonda, is I absolutely love that you are spreading the message. And I know it's primarily to women, but spreading the message that financial literacy is for everyone. And mm -hmm. you know, if you think about the work that I'm doing around breaking money silence, I need partners like you who are really helping uh, in the nitty gritty to get out there and kind of bust through these myths and, and help people uh, learn what they need to learn and develop skills and take action. So it's, it's really been wonderful to have you on the show today. I really appreciate it. And I encourage everybody who's listening at a minimum to just go check out the center um, at womensfinancialwellnesscenter.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. I want to thank everybody for listening to Breaking Money Silence. I'm Kathleen Burns Kingsbury. I'm a wealth psychology expert and author dedicated to getting people talking about money matters. For more information about my book, Speaking and Services, please visit kbkwealthconnection.com. Until next time, remember, we can all break money silence together. Thank you.